Maybe an amen? <laughs> All right. Our final lesson this morning comes to us from the prophet Isaiah. Listen. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lofty, and the hem of his robe filled the temple. And seraphs were in attendance above him, and each had six wings. With two they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they flew. And one called to another and said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. The pivots on the thresholds shook at the voices of those who called, and the house filled with smoke. And I said, woe is me. I am lost, for I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. Yet my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphs flew to me, holding a live coal that had been taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. The seraph touched my mouth with it and said that this, now that this has touched your lips, your guilt has departed and your sin is blotted out. Then I heard a voice, the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, here I am, send me. The word of the Lord. Amen. So Susan sat in a holding cell in the city jail. She tried to get her mind around what had just happened, the traffic stop, her drunk friends in the back seat, her interaction with the police. How did she, the designated driver, end up in so much trouble? She's only been home from college for about four weeks and now this, how could she possibly explain this to mom and dad? And what other things might she have to share with them now? Things she wasn't sure she wanted them to know about her. Things she was sure they would never understand and never approve of. So when she was allowed a phone call in that holding cell, instead of calling her parents, she called her best friend. It was going to be a long night for everyone. Fear of being found out. Susan had it bad that night, and she wasn't just afraid of her mom and dad finding out about the evening's antics. No, Susan feared that this event would uncover parts of her life that she wanted to keep hidden. Fear of being found out, fear of being discovered for who or what we really are. This is serious business. As we continue our sermon series on fear and facing fear with faith, I want to talk about this fear of being found out. Fear that we aren't as competent or as compassionate, as intelligent or as together as we think we look. Fear that we aren't worthy or as good as we might seem to others. Fear that we'll be exposed fear that someone will uncover the truth about us. I want to talk about this fear because underneath it, underneath, I believe, is the cry of the heart. 
It's the cry of every human heart. Do you hear it? The cry of the heart. Am I worthy? Am I redeemable? Am I lovable? The cry of the heart that every one of us must speak at some point. The cry of the heart that must be heard from each of us at some point. And fear, fear of being found out can get in the way of that cry. Look for a moment at the woman, the suffering woman in Matthew's gospel that Claire read about a few minutes ago. Can you hear the cry of her heart? I long to be made well. I long to be made whole. I long to be restored to society. This illness that separates me, I want it gone. But I can't be seen touching the rabbi. I can't be found out. Can you hear the cry of her heart and her fear? Look at Isaiah in the temple, in the middle of probably a worship service, all of a sudden he's caught up in a vision of the glory of God and it catches him by surprise. I mean, who would expect to see that in worship, right? Can you hear the cry of his heart? God, you are full of glory and power and I am full of sin. God, you are full of justice and righteousness and I live amid dirty politics and prejudice and evil of all kinds. I think I'm lost because I've caught a glimpse of your holiness. Can you hear the cry of his heart and his fear? These faithful ones, they are not perfect. They're not without fault, they're not without guilt, but they listen to the cry of their heart. They act upon the cry of their heart and they speak the cry of their heart with honesty and authenticity, and they do not let fear stop the cry. They do not let fear silence their longing to be loved, to be redeemed, to be whole, to be an agent of God in an unholy place. And it's amazing what God can do with just a little honesty, just a little authenticity, just a little courage. There Isaiah found forgiveness for his sin and he found hope for his people. God's grace flowed into that temple that day as powerfully as God's glory. And the cry of Isaiah's heart was heard, it was answered. And it led Isaiah to a new beginning as God's prophet and to a place in God's larger story. And the suffering woman well, she found in the presence of Jesus' love, acceptance beyond her wildest imagination. The cry of her heart, it was heard, it was answered. Remember what Jesus said to her, take heart, take heart my daughter. And it led to a new beginning, the beginning of faith. Faith in the one who comes to save and redeem us all. You see, it matters people of God, the cry of the heart matters. It matters in our relationships with one another. It matters in the church. It matters in our relationship with God. And facing our fear, 
our fear about being honest and vulnerable and authentic with one another and with God, well, that is holy work. That is strenuous work. That is work that has ultimate consequences. Susan's parents found out about her being in jail, not from Susan, of course, but from her friends who didn't know what else to do, and so they called them. Her parents couldn't do anything until 7 a.m., and so they called their pastor, that would be me, at 6.30 a.m. What should we do, they said through their tears. What do we say to her? This isn't like her, not at all. We're so disappointed in her. We prayed together. It was 6.30 in the morning and I don't remember the prayer at all. But I do remember the silence on the phone line when we finished praying. And I remember in my grogginess or sleepiness saying something like this. You know, this doesn't sound like Susan at all. There's got to be something else happening here. Maybe you don't have to say anything to her. Maybe you should just listen to what she has to say. Now, as a pastor, you never know when people actually are going to do what you tell them to do. But in this case, they did. They listened to me. And according to this family, I've heard the story many times, they went straight from jail to an all-night pancake house. And there, over stacks of carbs and lots of sugar, instead of berating or questioning or lecturing Susan, her precious parents just listened. They listened to the cry of her heart. They listened to her concern for her friends, her confusion about how to help them. They listened to her struggles with drinking and dating. They listened to her struggles with how to keep in touch with her old high school friends while trying to start a different life with different friends at college. They listened to her struggles with values and faith amid all of the other stuff. And they heard the cry of her heart. And she heard in their silence and listening that she was lovable, that she was forgivable. And friends, it changed their relationship. It changed their future. It changed everything. In 1 John chapter 4, we read this. God is love, and there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Friends, it's because of God's perfect love for us that we need not fear. We don't need to fear our brokenness or our sin. We don't need to fear what we have done or left undone. God knows our need. God knows our struggle, even if no one else does. In fact, because of our need, because of our struggle, because, as Isaiah said, we are people of unclean lips who live smack in the middle of people of unclean lips, because we stand in need of healing and restoration, God sent Jesus to ease this journey, to hear and answer our heart cry. But, and this is important, we must speak them. 
We must bring exactly who we are and what we are to God in honesty. Only then can God use us, can God redeem us. Only then can we be transformed and claimed as Christ's child. We can't hide from our God. And God's love, God's forgiveness, and God's grace is too perfect for fear to hold us back. So I have just one challenge for you today, my friends. Just one question. What is the cry of your heart? Where do you need forgiveness or grace, healing or mercy? And I challenge you, I urge you, don't stifle that cry. Lift that cry to Jesus without fear. And then watch out. Watch out. Because when Jesus hears our heart cry and answers that cry, when we experience the love and redemption our hearts long for, when fear is sent packing by perfect love, then the demands of love call us to kingdom work. The demands of love transform our lives. Friends, it happens every time. It has happened to many of you here in this room. Susan is a grown woman now. And as you might guess, she spends her days listening to the heart cries of the poor, the homeless, and the sick in downtown Dallas. That's her vocation. Isaiah hears God say, who will I send and who will go for me? And he shouts with joy, here I am, Lord, send me. Beginning a lifetime of hearing and speaking the heart cries of Israel. And I guarantee as we allow space for the heart cry of others, as we acknowledge and fearlessly allow our own heart cries for forgiveness, for love, for purpose, and for hope to be prayed and heard and acted upon, God will call us, us, Westlake Hills Presbyterian Church, you and me, beloved children of God, to continue to respond to the heart cries of this hurting world. That's our call. Who will I send? And who will go for me? Here I am. Send me. May we, by the grace of God, by the forgiveness of Jesus Christ, be ready to make just such a response. And let all God's people say, amen. Join me in prayer. God, we know that we can't hide anything from you. We know that you know everything about us and you hear those cries of our heart that we will not sing in front of anyone else. So draw close to us now. Draw close to our families, draw close to our church. Call us again as your children into your forgiving, perfect love. In Jesus' name, amen.